Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me. It's a great day, and hope you're having a good one, too. This is Clark from the Down South IT Podcast, coming to you live, well, kind of, from the heart of Cajun country down in South Louisiana, where Tabasco is something that not only keeps your fingers out of your eyes and mouth, but it's also a food group. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention to check out the website, downsouthitpodcast.com, the Facebook page at DownSouthIT, as well as SoundCloud and all the other platforms that the podcast is on. Hey, while you're stuck in the house for the quarantine and everything else, you might as well get a little bit of enjoyment, right? So check those out. Like and subscribe if you hadn't already. Uh, keep in mind the YouTube channel. We'll be getting a new video soon. I just have to edit it because it's going to be kind of a long one and it was a pain to shoot because honestly, I don't think I've ever had so much go wrong with a PC build since I've been building PCs until I decided to video it. So this was definitely a one of and is very odd, but hey, everything's done now. We're good. So whenever I get that video done, I will let you know. Of course, I'll put it up on Facebook like I usually do. Like and follow that page on there if you don't mind. And that way, at least I know you stopped by for one and you'll get all of the updates for all the new stuff that'll be coming out. And I do want to give a big congratulations out to Jesse Davis, the winner of the Raspberry Pi giveaway. So uh, already sent it off. I'm hoping he got it already and is enjoying it as much as I like doing things with Raspberry Pis. So congratulations to you. And of course, if anybody didn't win, don't worry, I will be doing more giveaways in the future. Just keep in touch and I will be posting that whenever I do decide to do it again. So it won't be long. Just hang in there until the next one comes around. No big deal. So if you've been following, uh, at least I put it up on one of the My Two Cents uh, episodes not long ago, that my phone and a few other things were hacked. So I wanted to go through this episode and kind of just briefly go over some things that while I was dealing with all of my stuff that you could be doing too, just to keep yourself safe while you're online. So I got a few things on here uh, that I have written down and it's not an end all be all list, obviously. And of course I have not gotten paid or am not getting paid by any of the companies or programs or anything like that, that I'm going to be talking about today. So there's no, no kind of compensation I'm getting from any of these. I just, based on reviews and the fact that some of these I use, that's why I'm recommending them to you today. So first up, make sure you have good passwords. Good passwords are everything nowadays. You want to make sure it's at least eight characters long, has a mix of letters, numbers, and symbols. Not every website is going to let you do the same symbols. Some don't let you do some things. You just kind of have to go very, you know, site by site. But as you go through, you want to make sure it's at least as complicated as you can remember it. You want to, you need to be able to remember it. So, but make it as complex as you can. If you have to add a couple of symbols ahead of something, you can do that. You can add a few numbers on the end, add some numbers in the middle, different things. You want to keep things different. Because you don't want to use the same password for multiple sites. Because if you do, nine times out of ten, if one if one password will unlock multiple sites, if somebody hacks anything, they're going to try that one password that they know works for one thing, and they're going to try all kinds of other things that are popular. 
So they'll try that password on your email, on online shopping, on just about anything that they can get their hands on to try and see if you have that same password for something else. So if you can help it, don't have the same thing for multiple sites. And of course, while you're updating passwords, just a quick tip, make sure all your contact info is is correct. Because each one, as you go, you might've changed your phone number. You might've changed your address. You might've moved different things. Make sure all of that is up, up to date while you're changing these. That way you don't have to go back and do it later. And while you're already in there, in your account, changing things, you might as well double check it and make sure it's all good anyway. But if you want some really, really good random passwords that you don't even have to remember, you can always go with a password manager. And they got a few, they, there's several out there right now. Uh, the Probably the, the top three that I've come across have been Dashlane, 1Password, and LastPass. Now, all of these have secure encrypted vaults that store all your passwords and they store them in the cloud. The only way to get to them is having a master password that you come up with. And that's the only way you can get to them. Now, a lot of them use, especially whenever you get into your phones, they'll use biometrics. So they'll use fingerprint that you have saved on your phone or Apple's facial recognition. They'll use that as a, as a, a means of authenticating that is really you asking for these passwords and things. So, but the idea is that these programs will save all the passwords that you have, or you can even use a generator that they come up with and they'll generate random passwords and then save them for you. So you don't even have to remember the ones that they generate. And I'm going to go through Dashlane first. That's probably the top rated one that I've seen. And they do have a free plan. It'll give you up to 50 passwords. So that's a, that's a fair bit. You can only use it on one device. It has form and payment autofill. So you can do it for passwords as well as payment information. You can share up to five accounts. A few security alerts. Two-factor authentication. And most of these, in fact, I think all three of these actually have a 30 day trial or at least some kind of trial going into it. So, but if you go into the paid version of Dashlane, it actually comes in with, you can do unlimited passwords on unlimited devices. You can share unlimited accounts, different security alerts, two-factor authentication, dark web monitoring and alerts, and a V it actually has a built-in VPN also. And that's for the $4.99 a month and it's billed annually. They do have a $10 a month billed annually also, and that comes with credit monitoring and identity restoration support if that actually happens. So for you 10 bucks, it actually is a pretty good deal. Uh, their service is similar to LifeLock, uh, which I happen to have. So and it actually came in handy when the last few weeks for me. So it's always a good thing to have on top of that. But if you just have a few passwords that you need to save, the free version is not a bad option. Next up is one password. These only come in billable forms. So you do have to pay for it no matter what they, you do try it for 30 days. They have one for yourself, which is $3 a month billed annually. And they have apps for Mac, iOS, Windows, Android, Linux, and Chrome. 
They also have unlimited passwords and one gigabyte of document storage. So that's cloud storage that's encrypted. Two-factor authentication for that extra layer of protection. And the $499 is billed for families. And that's actually comes with a family. You can have a family of five use this. So any more than that, it's a dollar a person. And you can have one main person on the account and then five guests. You can share passwords, credit cards, secure notes, and a few other things between family members. And all of that's encrypted, so nobody else can get to it. And you can also recover accounts for locked out family family members. So that's a nice feature, too. And that one's $4.99 a month, billed annually, of course. Now, LastPass, this is the, the, the one that I'm currently using. They have a free and a paid version. The free version is pretty much the exact same thing as the other ones, with the exception of the cloud storage. So you can do anything that you can do with the paid version that you can on the free. The only difference is the one gigabyte of file storage that you have for, you know, for the premium, which is $3 a month. They do have a family one where you can have up to six licenses. So you can have six people on there and that's $4 a month. And of course that's billed annually also, but I've been using LastPass for about a month, month and a half now, ever since all of this started. And I really have not had a problem. It really, I mean, it works like it should. It saves everything like it's supposed to. Generating the random passwords is fairly easy. And the interface really isn't that bad. But when you first do get into it, some of the options are a little bit confusing. But once you use it and you kind of start getting into a, a rhythm, the layout's easy to get around. And it's, it's not a bad program at all. I, I really don't have any complaints on it. Really, you don't need any more than the free version. And that you know, that's why I'm recommending it, just because of the fact that I'm using it and it's fairly easy. Next up, if you do any kind of online shopping or anything like that with the lockdown, a VPN is highly recommended, mainly because we're not the only ones that are locked down. The people that steal your credit card information and everything else, they're locked down too. So they got nothing else better to do than try to get your information. And the best way to get around that is to use a VPN. So there are a lot of choices out there, but I can promise you do not use a free VPN. They're free for a reason because they sell your data. They might use logs. They might do something, but they always, there's a way around getting to it for free. So if you have to have a paid option, do that. It's a lot better than using a free one. If you're looking into a VPN that's bundled with another software, that's fine. But as far as just a strictly VPN that's free, I would steer well away from it. Now, the whole idea behind a VPN is to be anonymous. So if a VPN keeps logs, then chances are that if they're hacked, your location, your log on data, a lot of that other stuff could be shown to hackers. So you want to make sure that if you choose a VPN, that they don't keep any logs. That way you always be anonymous. Now, uh, I think I've discussed this on a previous episode, but just to go over it real quick, a VPN is actually an encrypted tunnel. So basically it's a tunnel that's created between your computer and the VPN's uh, server. Once that connection is made, everything is encrypted. Nobody can get or see any data transmitting through that tunnel. Now, 
once you get to where you're logged in, everything you do becomes anonymous because nothing that you go to, no site, no anything actually points back to you. It points back to the VPN server. So no matter what happens, the only thing that anybody will see is the VPN. Now, there are a couple that I used in the past, and I think I've recommended them here before, but I'm going to do it again. And the first one is going to be IP Vanish. And IP Vanish is one of the ones, in fact, I'm using it now. They don't keep logs. They have lots of servers worldwide, and they're really easy to use. It's a little bit more polished than the one I'm going to talk about in a minute. But they start off with, it's you can either do by month, by quarter or by the year so if you do it by the month it's ten dollars a month you do it by the quarter which is every three months it's 8.99 a month so it's basically 26 27 bucks every three months and then if you do it by the year then it's 6.49 a month or 77.99 annually so the longer you do the contract for well it's not really a contract but the longer you do the payment for the cheaper it gets So this one is a little bit more polished. Like I said, it doesn't keep logs. The only difference and the only reason I stopped using the one I'm going to talk about in a minute is that it wouldn't work with my Plex server. So that's the only the only reason why I got away from it. But other than that, I really have not had any problems with IP vanish. It's a it's really easy. The even the mobile apps are really easy to to get around and figure out. So if you're going to use one, I would recommend either this one or private internet access. Again, this one has by the month, every six months or by the year. And if you do it monthly, it's $9.95 a month. If you do it every six months, it's going to be $5.99 a month or $36 for every six months. Or if you do it by the year, $3.33 a month. So it's $40 a year. So this one is a little bit cheaper, but it is basically a no frills VPN. It's it's fast. It's lightweight. There's really no frills or bells and whistles or anything like that. It's just a straight up VPN. It does what it's supposed to, and it does it well. So you can't really fault them for that. And for the service, the price is actually really good. Another layer to your online well-being is a good antivirus suite. And by sweet, I mean that it should have a couple of different parts. One being the antivirus software, a firewall, and some sort of plug-in for your browser. This is a three-step approach, and it'll help make things, make sure that the links you click that are okay, you know, in your browser at the time. And it'll help stop hackers from getting in with the firewall. And if you happen to get anything that, if it slips by the web filter, you have the antivirus part to clean up anything that it misses. So it's a three-phased approach, and it's it's always good to have that. Now, most of the bigger names all have all of these features, plus a lot more. Some have built-in VPNs. Some have built-in storage. It kind of depends on which one you want to go with, but stick with a good notable name uh, to be on the safe side. Let's say McAfee, Norton, AVG, Bitdefender, all of these are good choices. They all have free and paid options, or at least free trials for sure. AVG is a free version. They do have a paid version. But you, if you want to, check out your ISP. A lot of ISPs, your service providers, or even some other services that you have signed up for already 
will have either discounts or a free subscription that you get for one of these one of these antivirus programs that you don't even have to pay for. Let's say if you have Cox Internet, you have McAfee. If you have LifeLock, some of the plans are already bundled with Norton 360. So it just depends. But check out a few different different things that you already subscribe to. That way you're not paying for it twice. Next up is email. They got billions, billions of phishing emails that are sent every year to each and every one of us. And most of them are easy enough to spot, but they're getting better every day. So a couple of things to look for to spot fakes. First is going to be misspellings. A lot of these phishing emails are from overseas and they tend to try to get these out really, really fast. So they make a lot of spelling errors. So if you see, you know, spelling errors that are really, really obvious, red flag should go up right there. You know, you, you should start kind of scrutinizing it a lot closer than what you did. Next up is actually going to be grammar because not just the spelling, but the grammar will be kind of weird because like I said, a lot of these people from overseas, English is not going to be their first language is probably going to be second or third. So the grammar is going to be weird. So they'll say something in the email, like we need to inform that your account is showing a problem instead of just saying there's a, a problem with your account. So the grammar is just going to be kind of odd. So if you see something like that, that should send another red flag right up. And another thing you can look for, too, is the email address itself. Not the name that's associated with the not not the name that it shows up on there, but the actual address that it's coming from, because there's a lot to glean from that. If you look after the ad symbol, that's going to be the domain side and does the company that the email is talking about match the domain? So if you got something that's like a string of random numbers after the at, and then it's a dot com, but supposedly it's from, you know, Chase or Cap One or uh, Regions or, you know, another bank like that, that doesn't match at all. So if you got something from a reputable business, it's going to have a that business's domain at the end of that email. So if you get something from Chase, it'll say at chase.com, you know, it different things like that. So it, that should match. If it doesn't, again, red flag should go up. And if you look at the first part before the ad, does that match? You know, if the email is about an account that's overdrawn or something like that, but the email is from some kind of HR account, you know, or something like that. That doesn't chime either. So again, red flag goes up. You need to look at that and scrutinize it a lot more. Next thing is if the whole email is actually one big link. This is a big one and they do it a lot. If the whole email is a link, even the background, then nine times out of 10, probably 99.99% of the time, it's going to be fake. If the links are there, you want to be sure hover on them. Go, you know, look at them on a desktop, put your mouse over it and let the, the box pop up and show you where those links are going. You know, if it matches with what the email is talking about, then it might be legit. But if it doesn't, if it just comes up with random characters and stuff like that, do not click it. Just delete it. Be done with it. So it's a little bit more difficult to do that on a mobile device because you can't actually hover over it and see what the URL is. But if you can, if you have a desktop and you can, or a laptop and you're able to actually do that, 
that would help you immensely. And a couple other things too is when you hear phrases like account compromised or claim your prize or all you have to do is click here, quote unquote, all of these kind of keywords should send red flags up. You should always be suspicious and skeptical of all your emails, every one of them. If you, if you even have any doubt of what an email is telling you, log on to that site and see for yourself. If somebody's saying that your account is overdrawn and you need to click here to fix it, then you can go look at your account online and see, is it overdrawn? They're going to have an alert, you know, that you'll be able to tell. So it's a lot better to go and see it for yourself. It takes a little bit more time. It's a little bit more effort, but you save yourself just on the off chance that it is something bad. And also you want to rely on common sense. I mean, if you can't win a contest, you didn't enter. Your bank's not going to contact you using an email address that you never registered. You know, Microsoft doesn't remotely detect a, a virus on your PC or anything like that. Just different things like that. Just kind of use common sense, you know, and then also never, ever give out your password or any other information unless you initiate the call. And to be honest, this actually goes for text messages also, because we rely more on our phones now than we ever have. And this is where most of the sensitive data that we have is stored because it's always with us. So always be mindful of links in text messages, especially if you didn't initiate the interaction. If you just get a weird link out of the blue from something that you don't know what it is, don't click it. It doesn't make sense. Next up is secure websites. A lot of a lot of the web has been kind of shifting from regular HTML to HTML5. And that leads for a lot more secure websites. And most websites are doing it now. And there's really not an excuse to not visit a secure site. If you want, just look at the, the bar where you type your websites in, the URL bar. You go look for two things. One, that the site starts with HTTPS. That S stands for secure. And you want to look for that padlock icon. If you have both of those, it's a secure page. If not then the page isn't secure and you can still browse it like normal. It's not a big deal if it's not, but I would definitely not put any kind of information on it, like an email, a phone number or a credit card for sure, because it's not a secure site. And last but not least, keep your stuff up to date. Not just, not just with news on any ongoing scams, because if you keep yourself up to date on some of the scams that are rolling through, if you happen to see it in your email, you'll instantly remember it and say, okay, yeah, that's a scam. I know it's going on. Delete it. Done. Don't even have to worry about it. The business, Better Business Bureau, the BBB, usually posts on their website known scams and different things like that. But a lot of city and uh, state governments also do too once they get uh, a hold of them and they're able to verify it. So Keep up with that maybe once a month, just kind of scan through just to see what they have and what's going on, just so you're aware of it. But also keep your software up to date too. You want to make sure everything has the proper updates. Your antivirus is up to date, Windows or, or iOS, your phones get periodic updates and security upgrades. You want to make sure everything's up to date just so nothing happens in any of the back doors or anything like that. Any, any kind of inferences that these hackers have found can be fixed. Now I know this was a lot of information and I went over it really, 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 really quick, but go check out the, the show prep for this episode. I 
have all the links, everything like that for all of the different services that I talked about today. That way you can go look for them yourself, double check everything. And because this happened to me, I want you to be safe. So I want you to learn from what happened to me. I would rather it happen to me than happen to all of you. Just for the mere fact of I caught it early, I was able to get around it and I was able to get ahead of it. Sometimes people aren't that lucky. I was very lucky in my in the hack that happened to me. I was very much able to get ahead of it. So please do yourself a favor. Run through some of the stuff that I talked about today. Don't don't just take it for granted that, oh, I'm going to be OK. I have this. You know, you, you need a layered approach. It's with everything being in an online world, everything's virtual and online nowadays. You need a multi-layered approach to security and to your information. So please take that to heart. I'm just trying to look out for y'all and I just want to make sure everybody's good. And like I like to end every podcast, technology is the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all for listening. You guys are awesome. I love you. I'll see you right back here on the next episode of the Down South IT Podcast. Later. Later.